1: On today's episode of Locked On Raptors, Pascal Siakam drops a 40 burger on the Boston Celtics for a big overtime win for your Toronto Raptors. They are now tied for fifth in the Eastern Conference. And we'll break down which of the top four teams in the East should the Raptors actually want to play. Plus, we got the dudes of the game to hand out. So much more coming on today's episode with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, it, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot trying kind to of miss. So. Welcome to episode number 1147 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, March the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at Sean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can find the podcast free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe, follow, rate, review, all that good stuff. It's very appreciated. Plus, we're on YouTube. You can go subscribe over there. 1,750 subs, baby. Let's go push it towards 2,000 before the playoffs, please. It's much appreciated uh, whenever you support the show however you support the show thank you so much and uh, as always a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day all right on today's show we have a very stressful frustrating annoying win for the Raptors over the Boston Celtics the very depleted Boston Celtics to dive into Pascal Siakam with 40 points some interesting lineup stuff including Thad Young's emergence within the team and the rotation we're going to dig into all of that with a uh, noted radio personality Vivek Jacob who was not around yesterday it's not the only reason we didn't do a podcast yesterday there were some other scheduling factors that piled up However, I'm nothing without a Big V Monday. So here we are, Big V Tuesday. How's it going, pal?
2: It's going good, man. Minus uh, the Evan Scott experience that uh, I could live without. Um, Yeah, fun game, super fun game. Obviously, uh, Celtics shorthanded. But hey, Celtics came out, played hard. uh, We're knocking down shots. And, you know. It was one of those nights where you needed the best player on your team to be the best player on the court, and Pascal was incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was kind of what I wrote in my recap last night, is like it was a game where a lot of things went wrong for the Raptors. They had very few guys kind of on top form, And because they had the best player in the game by a pretty healthy margin, they ended up winning the game, which is how that works when you have very good players on your team. Um, We'll take one second now to talk about refs uh, and just get it off our chests. I'm not a ref talk person. I frankly could not care less. I find even last night when it was very clearly the refs were kind of missing the boat a little bit. Uh, I found it a little bit overwrought on the broadcast, the constant complaining about the officiating, the putting Evan Scott on blast, as you just mentioned – Maybe it was deserved, Um, but it was a really, really poorly officiated game last night. And I think it's kind of impressive that the Raptors pulled it out considering there was a 28 to 15 foul disparity. And look, I'm not someone who thinks like fouls need to be equal. Uh, Obviously, teams do things to uh, draw fouls and prevent fouls and not take them. And some teams are better at it than others. The Raptors are, of course, a pretty notoriously high foul team. But when you watch a game like last night where it is uh, intensely competitive, physical as hell on both ends, Marcus Smart is literally on one of the teams, uh, and you have the Raptors kind of living at the rim because they had to in this one, it was a pretty insane foul disparity. I'll give you like 15 seconds, 30 seconds to expand upon this big V before we move on to more important things, but I know Raptors fans are feeling very heated about it today, so I wanted to at least acknowledge that yes, you are heated for good reason.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm not one to go at the refs usually either, but I just felt like these are two teams. I think for me, you know, referees, when they come in, they should know the profile of both teams and both these teams play physical basketball. And Mm -hmm. from what I watched, one team was consistently (laughs) allowed to just keep hacking away. um, And the other team seemed like anything uh, that they got their hands on was called for like, You think about that drive that Derek White had, and Gary Trent Jr. makes a clean steal, and it's Derek Derek White White thought it was clean. Actually, (laughs) no. Well, if anything, Derek White was the one who pulled onto Gary Trent Jr.'s arm, and then you're calling Trent for the foul. I mean, stuff like that—that's inexperience. That's just uh, not knowing what the players are trying to do. And again, you know, you talk about not knowing what the players are trying to do. You you should know what Marcus Smart is trying to do each and every night. Yeah. At this point, yeah. Um, and so stuff like that is what gets under my skin. I mean, um, and again, this was a Raptors team that was looking to attack the basket every chance they got because Robert Williams is not in the game.
1: Yeah. So it was uh, it was a tricky one to watch and not like want to have an aneurysm. It seemed like Nick Nurse was fighting it in the post game as well. He really, really seemed like he wanted to get fined at least in the section that I saw on Sportsnet yeah. after the game. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I didn't even mention boy. wasting having to waste
2: that challenge on that goal ten call. Like yeah, Ridiculous. stuff like that. You got to be a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Like.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Uh, we don't need to linger on that too much longer. Uh, despite being fouled every time he drove to the basket, Pascal Siakam uh punked the Celtics' asses last night. It was wonderful to behold. And that really is, I think, the place to start here. Siakam goes for 40 points on 17 of 29, 13 rebounds, one assist, three steals, two blocks. Uh, those two blocks came in overtime when he was on five fouls. He thought he was on four fouls, which is hilarious. Uh, have you ever been like close to death, Vivek, and not realized it? And also uh, like, what's the closest you've been to dying without actually kind of registering until after the fact uh, I guess is question one and then question two is uh, how did you view Siakam's game how do you think he got to that 40 point total uh, with his uh, sort of evisceration of the Celtics
2: um there was this one time I was crossing the street and it was you know the pedestrians the sign was up so you know, I was just walking across and then there was mm-hmm. a car that literally came within inches of me. Ooh. And 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 it was one of those things where it's like, OK, you realize it's in your periphery. And I look up and it's like and then I guess they realized just in time. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and then this
1: guy had the audacity to roll down the window and say, you're not looking. You're in the car. All right. Sure. I had that happen, like, two weeks ago, actually. I was at a grocery (laughs) store in a parking lot, and uh, a a nice old lady was crossing the street with her cart, and then another old lady was making a left turn uh, and absolutely walloped this poor woman in the middle of the parking lot. Thanks, She was okay. She went to the hospital and stuff. But it was, uh, yeah, I I was viewing my future because she was, like, three steps in front of me, and this woman was not looking anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's it's scary stuff out there. Uh, But Pascal Siakam made it scary stuff for the Celtics. Uh, again how did you kind of um, take in his game last night how do you think he got to 40 points against that Celtics defense which was uh very foully but very very good and uh, intense as well yeah I think
2: I think there was a stage in you know the first half where you could see the Raptors kind of identified that hey Daniel Tice is not going to be able to stay in front of Pascal Siakam Mm Scottie Barnes is going to be able to get the separation that he needs to and so that's what they kept going to and um, you know, Siakam is at that stage, at that level where you try to cover him one-on-one, he is going to find a way to expose you. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought he was super effective with that. You know, might have been a case of the Celtics saying, hey, you know, you get yours. And uh, if everyone else isn't getting theirs, then we're okay. Sure. Obviously, they tried to change things up in the second half. Um, and I think that's where Pascal once again you know he's able to read the game beautifully he's making kickouts he's making passes um obviously the Raptors weren't shooting the ball well so a lot of those passes weren't rewarded mm-hmm. um but I think when the game was on the line uh and you could sort of see it building um especially when the Celtics were up whatever it was six eight points where Pascal was uh, Kind of like, hey, even if the double team comes, I'm going up here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he makes, uh, you know, those two huge free throws. He had that uh, tough mid range fadeaway over Thais, uh in the overtime. And, you know, it's, it's, kind of, it sounds cliche, but those are, th- those are some of those best player on the team stuff Yep that, that you want to see. And, you know, for Pascal to get it against the Celtics, too. Um, obviously, you would have liked Tatum, Tatum and Brown and all of them to be there. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure on some level, uh, deep down inside, it felt good.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, this was a game where Fred Van Vliet was clearly not 100%. It was being harassed by Marcus Smart the entire game, as one is wont to do when you're being guarded by Marcus Smart. It's not a picnic. Uh, Gary Tran Jr. returned. Didn't look 100%. Looked like his handle was a little wobbly. Had some finger stuff going on, and his hands were all shaking and stuff. Um, you know, he just wasn't there as, like, a point-of-attack guy either. Could not get any separation against the defenders of the Celtics. And then OG Ananobi, I thought, like, was very vitally kind of serving catch-and-shoot duty and wasn't asked to do much with the ball in his hand. So it really left it to Siakam and Barnes to be the guys to go size up those matchups and really get into the teeth of the defense. Barnes had himself... bit of an uneven game. I thought he started out pretty well and tailed off pretty steeply by the end. He fouled out, of course, didn't close the game, uh, which we'll get to actually in the due to the game to close things out. I I have some interesting thoughts on that, baby. Uh, A premonition I had came true as it turns out. Um, But yeah, it it really did fall to see Ockham as the only real avenue to creating advantages in the half court. And he was incredible. I mean, this was even a game where Chris Boucher and Preston Chua were not at their best offensively, at least. I mean, they still remain incredible on the other end of the floor, but They combined to go five of 19 from the field. You know, it it was a game where a lot of things went wrong, but because Pascal Siakam was there, it it really just kind of was a bomb for the entire thing. You know, I was thinking about this last night, and we're going to get into the playoff picture in the Eastern Conference and the teams that the Raptors should be hoping and not hoping they play. Spoiler alert, I want nothing to do with the goddamn Celtics. Uh, But you know, if you're sort of taking a draft of the guys in the Eastern Conference going into the postseason, I made the point last night, and very few people disagreed with me, if any, that like Siakam's going no lower than like fifth in a straight draft of the guys you want on your team in a postseason series in the Eastern Conference. For me, it's like KD, Embiid, Giannis, Jason Tatum ahead of him. And after that, I would take Siakam over anybody else in the field. He's playing that well. It's not a homer pick. He's just been unbelievable. He's a two-way force. He doesn't come with the volatility that like a guy like Jimmy Butler or Kyrie Irving might come with. I- I'm like fully sold on Pascal. And the way he's operated under these really difficult circumstances as well all season long, to me, suggests that it's going to translate pretty well to the postseason as well. Uh, what say you about Siakam and his sort of fit in the Eastern Conference hierarchy ahead of the playoffs? Yeah,
2: I think that's a really interesting conversation, and I think you're probably right with that, those four guys being ahead. I'm, I'm just looking at the teams uh, in the East, and I don't I don't think there's anyone that you'd really uh, – anyone else that you would put ahead of him. So, right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, James Harden at, at his very best uh, probably enters the conversation, but he hasn't been at his very best in a little while. So, yeah. Um, that's the only name that I would really look at. But <clears throat> yeah, again, it comes back to how well Pascal is playing. And we go back to the defense, right? Yeah. Uh, what he's able to do, um, sort of marshaling uh, the, the back end of the defense and understanding uh, when uh, he needs to contest at the rim, when he can sort of help over and all those sorts of things uh it's huge for what this team tries to do uh, on that end of the floor and yeah uh, i don't know if we're power ranking possible opponents but i think uh the raptors will be very happy going in with uh pascal siakam uh, as their guy
1: 100 i can't agree with you more than that we are going to continue on here and finish up uh we're going to go into that very conversation uh, about the slot in the Eastern Conference the Raptors find themselves in and the teams that they could come up against. But first, want to tell you about our friends over at, uh, we got it here. Give me one second here. I've got it. Hold on. I'm having some issues with our ad calendar today. Please bear with me. Bet online, baby. We love our friends over at Bet Online. After months of playing college basketball, has determined the top teams for the Final Four and will determine this year's national champion this coming weekend. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info ahead of the Final Four, from the latest odds, contests, and player props. You name it, Bet Online remains the best spot for every bit of information you might need to get podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season as well to help you make informed betting decisions and it's not just basketball Bet online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs you get live betting vegas casino games and all the other sports under the sun go check them out head to the website today use your mobile device and learn more about the trends and the action at bet online where the game starts
0: this is jake from locked on Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: And we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Diving now into the Eastern Conference and the uh, morass that has formed at the top of of the East, the top four teams separated by exactly one game. The heat up top with the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Sixers all in the three, four, five. The Raptors tied with the Bulls now for fifth. The Bulls have the tiebreaker, but the Bulls are also trending in some kind of bad way. They play the Wizards tonight on the second head of a back to back after losing to the Knicks. Uh, good luck, Bulls. Uh, it's not looking great for them, and it only gets more difficult from here down the stretch. So, with that Vivek you know we, we've talked about this a little bit and sort of you know when the Raptors played the Sixers we brought it up a little bit as well but where are you at right now when it comes to the preferred opponents among those top four teams in the East for the Raptors in the first round? Is there one that you're like kind of sizing up and saying, Ooh, there's like an upset waiting to happen. Are there like clear, like four game sweeps for the Raptors that, you know, things go the wrong way. Where are you at when it comes to the East hierarchy and which teams you'd prefer among those top four in a first round series?
2: Yeah. To be clear, when we say preferred opponents, we're just saying, you know, most likely to upset, not, (laughs) series where the Raptors would be favorites in
1: (laughs) a hundred percent. They're not favored in any of these series for sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, So I would probably uh, want Philadelphia. I I think uh, the Raptors match up pretty nicely in terms of maximizing their strengths uh, uh, against Philly's weaknesses. Um, You know, being able to get out in transition, being able to uh, muck up the, the half court, the way they do. I think that that's something that the Raptors would enjoy. Uh, And then when uh, you power rank below that, because of Miami's lack of offense, uh, I would put them two. I think it it would obviously be a crazy uh, coaching matchup between Spolstra and Nurse. Yeah. um, (laughs) And something we were pretty close to seeing in the bubble, but oh well. Um, So yeah, I'd probably go Philly one, Miami two um without robert williams i'll put boston three and then Mm -hmm. milwaukee as the least desirable
1: i think all of those are very well taken points i would probably flip miami and philly um you know i think the raptors have put together a pretty good game plan for joel Embiid. he shoots worse against the raptors than he does against basically anybody else right like it's uh it's a pretty tough sledding thing out there for him Um, but over the course of a seven game series, I worry that maybe Joel Embiid figures it out. Maybe the Sixers figure it out. That's putting a lot on Doc Rivers to make in-series adjustments, which maybe hasn't been a strength of his in the past, but uh, Embiid scares the hell out of me. And I think it's, it's smart to have a healthy respect for that guy, even though the Raptors have had some success. And the Heat, I mean, I kind of just wonder, I mean, it's always going to be troublesome going up against a team that has Kyle Lowry on it because he kind of uh, is a maniac and I'm sure there will be another level for him in the postseason, but Jimmy Butler can't shoot. He shot like 18% uh, from three this season. He hit three threes last night and heat Twitter like melted down with joy and surprise. Like he's been pretty rough. He's obviously, you know, been a, been a sort of a a loud figure the last week or so with the Eric Spolstra stuff. I don't know if that matters at all. But I also just kind of think that team as it stands, this was my issue with them in the bubble season. And hey, they overcame it. I do think the bubble had a lot to do with things. And it was kind of a weird Eastern Conference that season, whatever. But I find that the best Heat lineups kind of always have one weakness on one end of the floor or the other. And I I, like Tyler Hero, for example, is so essential to them being able to score in the half court. But if he's on the floor, uh, guess what? The Raptors are targeting him every single time down the floor with one of Siakam or Barnes or OG or Fred or Trent. Like they're just going to be merciless in that. Same goes for Duncan Robinson. Same same goes for, you know, Max Struess. Same maybe goes for 38 year old PJ Tucker or 36 year old Kyle Lowry. Like, It feels like with the way the Raptors play and as they've evolved over the course of the season to become this team that can really hunt matchups and just kind of focus on that and have the offense flow through that, the Heat feel like, to me, maybe the team you can most comfortably do that against. And their offense has been so sticky and their crunch time offense has been just complete ass. They haven't figured out how to close games just yet. I kind of think I I like – you know. I'm not saying the Raptors are favorites against any of these teams, but like I think it's far closer to like a 55, 45, mm-hmm. 60, 40 in favor of the Heat in that potential matchup. Where I'd say it's probably like if you play a hundred series between the Raptors and Sixers or Raptors and Bucks or Raptors and Celtics, the other team's probably winning those 75% of the time. So, yeah, the Heat feel like they got some real, real holes and feel potentially gettable to me. Am I being unfair to the Heat? Or, you know, is it like a sort of thing where they've been know so inconsistent in terms of their lineups this season that maybe you can't judge any one section of their season as to what they are maybe you just got to kind of take the whole talent as a whole or do you have concerns as well about their postseason viability
2: well i think the one thing i would say is their ceiling as a three-point shooting team is quite high even if you know jimmy butler uh isn't well one of them, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and I do expect Kyle Lowry. I think Kyle Lowry is kind of doing the whole 2018 19 season thing, where it's like, hey, when you know we saw that season when Kawhi was in the lineup, that he was happy to defer and sort of enjoy it, and then when Kawhi was out out of the lineup, you saw a guy that would average 20 and seven pretty easily. So. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that's the Kyle Lowry that we're going to see in the postseason, And I have a lot of respect for that guy. So, uh, but you know, I will say a lot of this comes down to coaching. I will say this. If, if you flip the coaches, Eric Spolstra to Philly and Doc Rivers to Miami, I would be begging for Miami, (laughs) (laughs) you you, you know? Um, And I I would be saying, you know, I will, I want absolutely no part of Philly. Right. And, Maybe uh, maybe that's just me personally, how uh, I view Doc Rivers in a playoff series, at least going sure. up against Nick Nurse and the different things that the Raptors will throw. Um, and maybe some of that is the recency effect of uh, that last game against Philly, right, where I'm, I'm sort of looking at the other uh, guys on the floor and saying, you know, Tobias, Georges Nang, Matisse like those guys aren't really intimidating me. You know, Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, yeah, I I definitely think it's close, and I can definitely see your reasons for uh going with Miami. Uh, I I wouldn't have any problem with someone saying, Yeah, Miami's the Mm -hmm. one.
1: I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Boston and Milwaukee are the two you don't want. Uh, they are scary as hell, man. Like, I've been begrudgingly respecting the Celtics all season long or ever since they made this turnaround. And it pains me, but like they're undeniably excellent. Ime Udoka, very clearly an amazing coach. Like that team last night, you know, obviously they didn't have the offensive firepower to really keep pace, you know, by the time it was all kind of over. But I mean, they they kept in it just well enough with their defense because they're really well coached and really well schemed. And I want no part of that. Yes, the Robert Williams injury hurts, but like I think a little bit is being made too much of their sort of lack of depth i mean they can slide al horford down swap Derek Wright into derrick white in the starting five maybe that's a little bit small for a, a series against the raptors but like jason tatum's huge jalen brown's big dude like marcus smart plays like he's you know a six eight patrick beverly who actually has basketball talent like he's uh he's begrudging respect all around for for that whole team marcus Smart included uh, and so, yeah, the Williams thing hurts. It might put them into third for me because they don't have Williams, but I still want no part of that team. And then the Bucks, I mean, like the Raptors probably boast more guys to throw at Giannis than anybody else. And I'll actually get into that a little bit in my in my next uh, thought in the due to the game section as well. But like they. Like the Bucks are just they are overwhelming at times, and Giannis is still really hard to sort of figure out, and you barely figure him out when you have Kawhi Leonard on your team and win a series that way. Like without a guy like that to sort of carry the day offensively, and hey, maybe Pascal can do it. He's been really excellent against the Bucs this season. The Raptors have had their number, but in a postseason series. I want no part of Giannis either. And, you know, Drew Holiday's incredible. Feel like he's going to give Fred Van like, Fred Van Vliet's going to be in jail with Drew Holiday on him for a whole series. That kind of takes away that source of offensive creation. It's a tricky one, man. Uh, any lingering thoughts on this whole uh, top of the East before we move on?
2: No, I think we've covered it all.
1: Yeah, I think you know, my my main take here is uh, I'm loving this back part of the season because it feels to me like a baseball pennant race. The play-in is good, even if the Raptors end up in it. The whole concept of it is amazing, and it creates these like multi-mini races throughout the conference. There's like the concerns about getting the Nets in the first round if you're the top-level teams. So are they going to try to tank down to three and four? It's just so juicy, and I love it. And uh, this has been a fantastic addition to the NBA season and uh, the way things are playing out. We're going to continue on here. We're going to hand out the dudes of the game, not only for last night's game, but we still have yet to give it out for Saturday's game, the fire game, baby. We're going to talk about that in just one second here but first i do want to tell you about our friends over at rock auto where uh they are saving you money on car parts whatever part you might need they are here to find you a cheaper option than you're going to get from your local chain store or your mechanic or your canadian tire or whatever the hell it might be they are not offering you parts with the same selection and the same prices that rock auto is offering please go and check them out they are a family business they've been doing it for 20 years and they are here to help you and make it so you're in the position of power when you go to the mechanic oftentimes you'll go your car's messed up you're stressed out like it's your way to get around the world and you're concerned and you're just going to pay whatever it is they say the part that you need costs instead go to rock auto get the part you need bring it into the mechanic and say hey put this in i'll pay for the labor but not the part that's the way to do it go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and right locked on in there. How Did You Hear About Us box. So know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. And today's show is brought to you by NBA Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, part fantasy sports, with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved trading cards and made it easier to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, shoe boxes, and binders. Their 24/7 peer-to-peer marketplace lets you scroll through all your favorite players and teams. Once you find the moment you've been looking for, you can buy it in a couple of clicks and owning an NBA top shot moment gets you access to unviable once in a lifetime experiences for example last year top shot flew out a group of fans to Phoenix for game five of the NBA finals for having Phoenix Suns moments in their collection the following week top shot flew out a group of fans to New York for the NBA draft and these collectors got to have dinner with four future first round picks the night they were drafted and play basketball with the New York Knicks Obi Toppin I would always my dream is to be dunked on by an NBA player that sounds like a lot of fun uh, go to NBA sorry locked topshot.com to start building your collection today that's locked on.nbatopshot.com to start building your collection today and we continue on rounding out your show here your first listen of the day with Vivek jacob from raptors.com with the dudes of the game for a pair of games over the weekend uh let's begin with last night because that's the one fresher in our minds and i think. Uh, there's a couple really good candidates for this one. Uh, Vivek, who do you got? I'll I'll leave it to you to choose the dude of the game. I think there's two guys who come to mind, but you might have somebody else fire away.
2: <laughs> I am gonna go with Precious Achua. I think Precious
1: Achua. Wow. I mean, not who I expected, but I, I will gladly fire him up here because he goes into the point I wanted to make as well. So <laughs> we're
2: talking about we're talking about the Pacers game, right?
1: No, we're talking about last night.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. I thought you were going back. I thought you were going back to Saturday. My bad. No, no. We're my going one
1: fresher in our minds, yes. Okay,
2: okay. No, so then that's my mistake. Absolutely. Raptors, Celtics, I'm going with Thad Young. No doubt about it. Hell
1: yeah. Um, Hell yeah. yeah, Thad Young.
2: <laughs> his, his influence towards the end of the game, just, uh, you know, you could see he's picking up defensively in terms of where he can pick his spots to, you know, get a poke in at the ball, uh, help at the right time. Um, offensively, uh, you can see he's identifying those moments where the offense gets a bit seasick and he's like, Hey, I'm a vet. I've got a few moves in my bag, uh, and we'll make something happen. Um, identifying when, you know, it's his turn with the three and it's like, Hey, this is the best shot we're going to get here. I got to take it. Uh, so those little things matter, uh, in the crunch time scenarios of these games uh he's not you know weighed down by the moment or anything like that so he's someone you can trust for sure and yeah it's good to see him have a game like that uh and close a game like that because you know you can definitely envision playoff scenarios where exactly that will be required
1: 100 i was really happy with that i'm glad you picked him he was my choice as well secretly hoping you would grab him and, and yeah i think that for for me last night We finally saw like what the best utility of Thad Young is going to be. I've made the point that he's kind of like this year's like a souped up and better version of DeAndre Bembry to this year's team. You know, Bembry, Bembry was like really effective when he was the fifth option playing next to good players and way overextended as a second or third option, or in some cases, a first option, sort of being the lead ball handler for last year's team. And I think the same kind of thing applies with Thad Young, where when he's able to... Be a low usage guy, finish up plays, be an offensive rebounder, and just sort of connect with his playmaking. And obviously he offers incredible defense too. Like he fits so well next to higher usage guys. He fits so well next to talented players that I, I was really, really happy to see his deployment last night. You know, I've made the point on, I think I made it the day of the trade that I think one of the best Raptors lineups that they can get to this year is going to be uh Fred with Gary Trent Jr. OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam with Thad Young playing small ball five. You can swap in Barnes for Trent. That's not what happened last night because Barnes fouled out. And I honestly thought it was kind of a bit of a blessing that he fouled out because it just was not working for Scotty last night. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's fine. He's a rookie. That, that happens. But fad young kind of slotting into that role it's it just it makes a lot of sense to me he plays that back line sort of small ball five position so well and he's big and he's got big hands and he's in, in he's blocking shots and he's kind of flying around he's offensive rebounding he doesn't like take away from the identity of the team at all and he adds some new sort of fun connective elements that very few guys on the team can add and, and i would add this too you know, we saw last night the Raptors were not at full steam in terms of all of their guys being on the same page. And I don't know if you would call this team versatile in sort of the traditional sense, in that they can play all sorts of different styles. Like they've really kind of gone all in on this one style. But I will say they have enough guys now who I trust to execute the scheme that they're versatile in the options they can go to on a given night, right? If Precious Achu is not working one night, they can swap in Thad Young. If Scotty Barnes is having a night that's not going super well. You can put in a Boucher or a Young, or like they just have a lot of guys who do the same things really well. And it gives you a little bit of cushion if a couple of those guys aren't playing well. And you can still play the way that you want to play as intended without having to totally throw out the playbook and figure out a new way to go and win games. Am I being overzealous about the sort of depth of options that the Raptors have right now? Um, you know, maybe it's recency bias that I've kind of gained trust in a lot of these guys, but like, I don't think it's crazy. I, I feel like they have seven, eight guys who can all execute the scheme they want. And so on a given night, if three of them are off, they still have, you know, room to work with and margin for error.
2: No, I actually think it's a really great point that you've made because when you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know depth doesn't matter as much in the playoffs and yeah you play rotations tighter uh, mm-hmm. but depending on what a series presents there are certain options that present a better path to victory than others right sure. and so the in that sense the rotation can change right think about you know during the raptors championship run first couple series fred wasn't so hot right yeah and so you need to be able to turn to, for example, Surgeon Mark as a too big lineup, and you know different uh, options that you know you might not have considered before. And um, in the same way uh, that you're presenting this point, it's like, hey, if one combination we we saw that starting five wasn't too hot, um, isn't going for you, and you slide that in there, who in theory offers similar things but does it a bit differently then that can work. And so it's about just having different options to go to that might, you know, we we saw on this night that precious Achua and Chris Boucher weren't knocking down the three ball, but again, that young was right. And so uh, little things like that uh, are where you see uh, the depth kind of making a difference. 100%.
1: 100%. Uh, let's turn our attention to the game we have yet to give out a due to the game for, which was Saturday's fire game with the speaker catching fire. They finished the game with no fans. Neither of us were in the house, um, but it seemed like a like a very odious thing to be sitting through. If you were in, in the media sitting around, I was just at home watching the game with some friends. It was lovely. Um, but the due to the game. We got to hand it out. I have one sort of honorary one, not traditional, but you said Precious Achua. So we'll go Precious Achua and then I'll offer my point at the end. But uh, why you got Precious as your due to the game? I'm guessing it's because he was raining fire from his fingers. (laughs)
2: Literally. (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's one of those stretches where you're thinking if he can do that in the playoffs, it can swing a series. Uh Uh-huh. Like, just come in and have full confidence in the shot. Precious was talking about how there was a three that he didn't take. And during the timeout, they were kind of on him about it. And, Uh and, uh, you know, he comes out and it's just triple after triple after triple, swish after swish after swish. And, you know, those little types of runs in a game in a six or seven game series are... Often, what swings the series, yeah. Uh, you know, even even when I think back to that series in the bubble, like we can go over moments in Game Seven, um, and think about how things could have been different. But you know that, that stretch in Game Two where Marcus Smart is just going off from from three, like <laughs> that's pretty much what swings the series, right? Um, and so I think. Uh, to me, he is emerging as a crucial bench piece, an X-factor bench piece, and uh, that type of run in that game just completely settled the issue, right? And so mm. he's my dude of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he is really tantalizing, really exciting, and it's not just that he's taking corner threes now. Like, he's bombing from yeah. above the break, which kind of changes the shape of the floor and I think opens him up... A little bit as a pick and roll option, more often too, right? Because there's the threat of him rolling and popping, and maybe that's a way to alleviate some pressure on Fred Van Vliet when he's seeing all this attention. Is hey, maybe make Precious the screener, he's so dynamic as a vertical option, and obviously the pick and pop thing. Oh, look, we're not sure exactly how good a shooter he is, he's shooting like 43 or something crazy since the all star break, so you have to take that for its worth. That's already happened here, uh, and he's at 36 for the season on way more than an attempt a game, like couple attempts a game. So, I mean. obviously it'll have to be hot in a playoff series and things can go cold and it's going to be his first go through it. Obviously didn't play a ton with the heat last season and their short playoff appearance. Um, So, you know, it's going to be sort of a, a guessing game as to what, what precious you get, at least when it comes to three point shooting in the postseason. But he was bloody incredible in that Pacers game. And every three he hits kind of adds to the excitement about what he can be, not only this season, but going forward as well. I would just want to hand out an honorary honorary due to the game to the entire Raptors broadcast for Saturday, the effort that they put in. Uh, Jack and Matt doing like full detailed analysis of the evacuation and the efficiency of said evacuation, the firefighters getting the speaker put out, um, and then just like the calmness that Matt Devlin always seems to exude when things go haywire. Like he's just, he's a damn pro. Jack's a pro. Kayla Gray is an absolute pro as well, ripping them. and, And obviously, that was the Ron Jeremy, uh, Ron Burgundy mix-up game as well, which is just, I think, probably a pantheon all-time. Jack and Matt lose their minds on the broadcast moment. Um, like, I had to rewind it like three times. I, I, I just, I was having the most fun in the world watching that all go down, but. Just wanted to give an honorary shout-out to them because the Raptors broadcast, I think, top to bottom this year um, between Matt and Jack as your typical uh, TSN team, Matt and Alvin as the typical Sportsnet team, but obviously with Megan McPeak subbing in, uh, Amy Otterbird has been on the broadcast quite a bit as well, doing sideline, doing color. And then you've got Kayla Gray, you've got Danielle Michaud, you've got Leo Routins, I think, in a really nice role for him, Sam Mitchell. The Raptors broadcasts have kicked ass this year. Last night in the ref talk, maybe a little bit notwithstanding, but um, just wanted to give a shout out to the entire crew. The Raptors uh, fandom is, is quite blessed to have a wonderful collection of people calling their games. So, um, but Paul, that's Jones, well said, too. man. Yeah. They're they're, they're kicking ass. Uh, All former podcast guests, so I have to be nice to them Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) if we want them on again. But, no, I I do earnestly mean it. It's been uh, really fun to watch games this season, and they've been doing a great job. Even last night, you know, Jack might have been a little over the top with the refs, but it was an over the top that was, like, manic and hilarious. So uh (laughs) it it still is not without its charms. So we will wrap it up there. Big V, thanks so much for hanging out and talking about a big game last night. We will uh, reconvene tomorrow morning ahead of the Raptors-Wolves game. Probably do a mailbag tomorrow or something like that, uh, unless there's a bigger topic to kind of tackle in the meantime that comes up. Uh, but until then, thank you so much. Big V, anything you'd like to promote?
2: Usual stuff. You can check out my work at raptors.com, CBC Sports. Um, if you'd like to do some catching up on the Canada men's soccer team, you can yes. go listen to this fan uh, soccer show with myself, Jeff Blair, and uh, the latest episode was also with uh, uh, Danny, Danny Riccio. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just talking all things Canada soccer. So you can check that out.
1: Yeah, uh, highly recommend you go do that. The game on Sunday, I was there. It was uh, like a a lifetime sporting event, man. (laughs) It really, it it was like... You knew they were going to win going in, but then when it happened, it felt even better than you could have imagined. It was a delight. So glad you got to break it all down, uh, even if it came at the expense of a Monday podcast with you and left me in disarray on a Monday morning. Uh, Well (laughs) worth it because you did a wonderful job and uh, can't wait to hear you back on there again. Uh, The World Cup draws on Friday. Okay, I guess we have to care about this all over like for the first time ever. Unbelievable. Anyway, thank you so much. We will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on NBA, as they are covering the whole league in a wonderful, wonderful way every single night. Raptors surely on the docket for this morning's episode, so go check that out with a new crew each day across the week, breaking down the night's action. And uh, we will talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.